Did you know you can support your local independent bookstore and me in my efforts to promote books that feature women in aviation by shopping for your next aviatrix read on the Literary Aviatrix website? I built the website to serve as a central source to search and find books featuring women in aviation, and it was important to me to offer you the opportunity to buy from independent sellers. If the book you're interested in is available on bookshop.org, you'll find a link to purchase through my affiliate account on my website, which means I'll receive a small portion of the sale to support the content you love. Blue skies and happy reading. Welcome to the Aviatrix Book Review Writer's Room. I'm Liz Booker. In this portion of my interview with Raquel Ramsey and Trisha Arand about the book they co-wrote together, Taking Flight, The Nadine Ramsey Story, we talk about their writing process, their support team, and what it was like to publish through a university press. So you guys are both writers, and Trisha... We talked about a little bit of that earlier, but um, tell me a little bit about your writing background, how you developed it, and then Rocky, I want to hear yours too. Yeah, so I am a screenwriter, as I mentioned. Um, I have I went to school for it. That's what I've been doing uh, for the last decade or so. Um, and as I mentioned as well, I mostly work in historical dramas and biopics in sort of that sphere, um, primarily because I love history and I think it's incredibly important. And I wish there were more historical films that were highlighting and telling untold stories from history. And so it was, you know, I was very lucky to get to meet Racky um, at, back in 2014 when I was working on this uh, miniseries about Ed that was an adaptation of Ed's book. And I got that, I got connected to that through another screenwriter who's a mutual friend of ours named Steve Ravel, who um, co-wrote the book with Ed. So Steve Ravel recommended me to Racky for that reason. Um, I will say that writing nonfiction prose in the form of a nonfiction biography is very, very different than screenwriting. So there was a very steep learning curve for me. Racky was incredibly patient as I was sort of finding my way into how to actually sit down and write a nonfiction book. You know, it's funny. You can't just cut to a different scene when a scene is, you have to actually connect everything when you're telling nonfiction. So um, it was, it was, uh, I would probably do a lot of things differently if I were doing it again. It, it took uh, a longer time than I imagined it would just because I was kind of finding my footing in this style of writing, but it was an experience I'm incredibly grateful for. So. And Rocky, how about you? You seem to have some experience writing. Tell me about that. Yes, I love writing. I'm a teacher of English for 50 years. Taught all the novels. So I taught American literature, English literature, research, creative writing. Those were the subjects that I taught, both at university level, at the international school in Manila, 
And then I taught at the Yeshiva University High Schools of Los Angeles, where I met Rabbi Cooper, Rabbi Heyer, and Dr. Bruce Powell, who became my mentor. And then I went to Beverly Hills High School. And so the 50 years of my profession was all around writing and teaching English. And so to me, the most exciting part was writing my short stories. Because I love to write short stories. And I would wake up like my grandfather at four o'clock in the morning and I'd be inspired. And if I did not put those words down, they're gone by morning. And so I thought to myself, oh my God. The other thing is I love poetry. So this is into my psyche. It's into my blood. Well, you definitely came to this story well qualified then, both of you. And you you, you. had a, such a, a unique relationship through through having worked together on your husband's story that I'm not sure that it is going to translate for anyone else who wants to mm-hmm. um, find somebody to help them tell their story. But I still want to understand that how that relationship works, um, you know, it, what is the, how does the contract look as much as you're willing to share about a, a relationship like that, where you have a co-author who's helping you write a story? The actual process ahead, of writing was um, a very back and forth process. As I mentioned, Racky came to me with a lot of research Um, And then I was continuing to research as I was writing. And then as I was writing, I was sending pages back to Racky um, and Racky was reading and reviewing and we were constantly adjusting the narrative and where the story was going. Um, And then we had an amazing team around us, Shelly Kale, who is an old friend of Racky and the Ramsey family, um, as well as, you know, has a background in publishing um, and Ed's son, Doug, as well, who has written a nonfiction book of his own. I think several. His background is in journalism. Um, and so they were also, you know, receiving pages as I was writing them, advising me because they had more background in nonfiction publishing than I did and advising me. And we're all sort of having this conversation about the narrative and about what goes in and what doesn't go in and, um, and, and how to stay focused and where more context is needed and that kind of thing. So it was an incredibly unique working relationship because it also wasn't just the two of us as authors. We had help along the way. We had a team, which I'm so thankful for, um, especially as a first time author myself. So it was such a blessing to have everybody around me. Uh, and it, I think that's also part of why it felt like it took a long time. You know, we were, we were developing as we were writing, as we were researching um, and continuing to like go back review pages that we had written, bolster the narrative in different spots and edit as we went along. So it was quite the process. Yeah. And it sounds like you were very fortunate to have that much support um, as opposed to someone who, you know, Mm -hmm. is on their own and wants to tell a story. That's wonderful. It was. and you guys talked a little bit earlier, but um, about from a craft perspective, how you approached telling her story. Rocky mentioned having outlined um, the story in a, it sounds like in a chronological way. Are there any particular craft 
discussions or points that you, there was any friction on or did it just seem natural? I mean, I would say that there was a lot of conversation. There was, to my mind, very little friction because we all kind of saw Nadine in the same way and saw the narrative unfolding in the same way. As I mentioned, it was important to me even early on in the process that we make the book, you know, that we include in the book this larger context of what's happening with women in aviation, what was happening in Kansas, what was happening in the cavalry and with Ed, what was happening, all these things that informed Nadine and who she was. And so these many facets of her character all needed to be on the page. And we were all on the same page about that fact from very early on. And so that was incredibly helpful where we knew this is the we had a vision of this is the woman that we want to capture on the page and all of these different parts of her that made her who she was um even you know her darkest parts and and struggles that she went through especially later in her life um i was really thankful that raki was willing for us to paint a complete picture of who Nadine was. I think that her struggles highlight what she was able to accomplish. And I'm glad that we were able to include those in the book as well. Raki, I'm sure you have thoughts to add. Yes, absolutely. And I wanted, if this is gonna be a memoir and uh, a story of Nadine, it had to be authentic. It had to be real. But I also got the big support from my son, Douglas. Douglas is a completely, uh, I would say, fertile ground for every area of journalism. Not only was he uh, accomplished in writing because he had his own book, Corporate Warriors, but he was also in broadcasting. My goodness, Mm -hmm. he was all over the world and he was television anchor for NBC He has a stellar background, but he is so great in editing. And he's the kind of person that would look at a piece of writing and say, okay, I'm going to go over this and make it better. And he did that to every piece of writing that I was doing short stories before I would send it out to Chicken Soup for the Soul or any other magazine. He would edit it and he would say, Rocky, this is very good, but let's move this thing. So I had a checker for every writing. And so he became so essential for us as we were developing the story because we got an approval of what his family, the Ramsey family, would say about us writing about them. And there are many families who would not like to bring out all the dirty leanings that come out from a family. They were willing because they wanted to tell the true story of what mm-hmm. Nadine went through. And that's part of the struggle. And that's mm-hmm. part of who the person is. It's not just somebody showing, you know, glamour all over the place and nothing happening. No, this was real. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Shelley. Shelley killed his history, as Tricia was saying, because she was the editor of Ed's book, Lieutenant Ramsey's War. So she knows the whole story, worked with Steve Revelle and Ed in writing his story. So what a best combination would you have to have Shelly with that kind of background, Douglas with that kind of background, and then you and me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, this was really, I would say, kismet. 
putting all of us together, just like when I met Ed on New Year's Eve. This is what taking flight the Nadine Ramsey story is all about. It sounds absolutely magical. Yeah, it sounds magical. Um, So you published this book through a university press. How did you come to that? And what does that process look like? Oh, this is very interesting for me, because when I started searching, where are we going to give our manuscript, right? And so everybody thinks, okay, let's go to a trade press. And I, I was talking to friends in the Air and Space Museum. And one of the uh, individuals there, Dorothy Cochran, she was the director. And she said to me, Rocky, why don't you go to the University of Kansas Press? She's a Kansas girl. This might be a good fit. I said, okay, I'll try. You know, so I tried three. I had a contingency plan. So I'm the kind of person that does marketing by picking up the phone and saying, hello, I'm Raquel Ramsey. (laughs) And I connect with a person. That is a gift that God has given me. And so I picked up the phone and it was Joyce Harrison, the editor of University of Kansas Press. And I told her about what I have, you know, the pieces of this book that I would like to, and I'm going to bring it to different publishers. She said to me, Rocky, she said, why don't you complete that? And we will take a look at it. But she said, you got to be patient because a university press is not like any other press. And I had no idea what she was talking about. And it turned out to be true because you're going to find out why. And she said, we would love to have that story as a Kansas story and as a military book. So for them, it was twofold. They wanted to sell it as a military book, but it was a Kansas story. So that's how they could sell their board to approve this, because they have an entire board that is going to read all of the manuscript. Can you imagine? I had no idea that was going to happen. and. She says, oh, this is going to take time because we have to have every individual members of the board read this through. Plus, we have asked others to come in. And let me tell you, those reviews, three major reviews, and I was so happy that on the third review, they were pretty good. One of them said, this is going to be a bestseller. I said, can I quote you? (laughs) And then This lady, Margaret Wilkemer, she was from the uh, Air and Space Museum. So she kind of knew some of the characters that, you know, I had talked about there, but she didn't know me, had no idea what this was. Boy, she gave it glowing reviews and called it a labor of love. And man, that gave us a unanimous approval by the whole board. But you know how long that took? An entire year. Mm-hmm. So here we are writing one year. Here we are composing and putting things together another year. And now I'm thinking, okay, so we are ready to go. No, 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 no. This is going to take a long time. And Joyce said to me, Rocky, you have to be patient because this is how it works in a university press. you got to have all the reviews and you got to get a unanimous approval by the entire board that your piece is going to go through. Wow. 
But I had a contingency plan. I had two other presses that were waiting for me. So I, you know, that's what you do. And one of them was from a lieutenant commander, Tom Cutler, good friend of Ed and me, his Navy. And he wrote Battle of Leyte Gulf and is the director of the Naval Institute Press. He wrote me the most glowing uh, endorsement at the back, Lieutenant Commander Tom Cutler. And what better way for a woman in the 1940s to penetrate a glass ceiling than by piloting military aircraft? Both enlightening and inspirational, taking flight is a must-read for anyone who may wonder why Tom Brokaw chose to call Nadine and her fellow veterans the greatest generation. He is the head of the Gordon England Chair of Professional Naval Literature, has written 26 books for naval literature. And he said to me, Rocky, the naval press can take your book. And then he gave me the uh, editor of the University of uh, Kentucky Press, Dr. Brian Leslie, who wanted the, the book of Nadine to be part of an aviation series for them, for the University of Kentucky Press. So I said, okay, I got full back positions on two. <laughs> Some of those might fly. And my God, when, but I, my, my, my goal was Kansas, 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 because it had symbolic meaning to me, which was Nadine coming home. I right. say, hometown heroine. You know, she's the hero. Well, so I had questions and I feel like um, I have an insight to the answers now about just how uh, many glowing reviews and by some heavy hitters that you had. And I feel like it, it's a combination of having gone through Kansas Press, but also the connection to your husband and his story. Is that is that kind of how that... Absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely true. It was my connections and my marketing skills since 1990. I am the kind of person, like I told you, Liz, that I pick up the phone. That's what I did. His book sold 330,000 copies. He signed in one book signing at Harvard, uh, 169 books at Harvard Cooper, second largest after Neil Armstrong, the manager told us, and I'm going, honey, is really? your still fine? That's pretty cool. <laughs> After signing 169 books. Oh my God. So all of those connections that I had in all of those newspapers, but you got to realize, Liz, a lot of those people are gone. They are not the same editors. They are not the same people, but I knew how to get to them because I had gone through those steps. So imagine now all of those people that have been with me with military organizations, because I am so involved in carrying the legacy of Ed and now Nadine, that I knew all of these people at the helm of every military organization. So all of them, oh, yes, Rocky, we'll write you a review. But you, you can imagine, I was so thrilled that I got 16 reviews. <laughs> yeah, they're fabulous. It's wonderful. Tricia, do you have anything else to say about sort of the, the publishing and publicity journey from your end? Yes, only in that it certainly has been a little different than we originally pictured because of COVID. Um, 
we have a lot of connections at aviation museums and places that were, you know, we were hoping to go do signings and carry, you know, carry the book in their bookstores and things like that. And none of that has been able to come to fruition yet, um, which is such a shame. But, you know, hopefully as things begin to open up again, you know, museums have been hit, especially nonprofit museums, um, which so many aviation museums are uh, all over the country. Um, They've been hit really hard by the pandemic and closures and things like that. So we are very optimistic that we can finally start to to engage in some of the more in-person promotion that we were originally hoping to do. Um, But that certainly has, it, it wasn't, the perfect dream in that sense where, you know, Racky and I have not even seen each other in person since our book came out because our book was released on September 3rd in 2020. And, you know, here we are. So it's, it's unfortunate that we got kind of caught in the middle of that, but at the same time, COVID has delayed so many things indefinitely that we're grateful that we're at least in the publishing world and at UPK and they've been incredible uh, they've been so supportive and so helpful. So yeah, a lot of the marketing has been done through them as well. And, you know, as I said, hopefully we'll still get some of that stuff off the ground here in the future. So it's just going to be a little bit of a longer journey instead of like a very quick promotional, let's go out and do it all in a, you know, in a few months or in a year or whatever. It's we're we're on a long road here, I think, trying to get the book into the hands of everybody that we hope will eventually read it. So yeah, I can totally see that. And so do you do either of you have any advice for someone who is in rocky shoes? They have a family member or so, an, a, someone in history whose story they know and they want to tell. What is your advice to that person who wants to to share the legacy of someone like this in their family or or in history? You need to have a vision. No matter what are all the challenges they are going to come along the way, they have to stick to that decision. Because if they say, this is too difficult, this is too hard, this is too much time, it's gone. And especially if they want to carry the legacy of a member of their family. And even if they want to interview some other person, the same Goal, I would say, is really key. Second is you got to get the facts. You got to know and do the research. You got to work to find out the truth of the story. So you got to be an investigative reporter. You got to have the time to do that. These things don't happen in a year, they can happen in two years, three years. You have to be that patient. And I have seen so many movies in stories that have taken years before Mm -hmm. they happened. And it was because of the resiliency of the writer who said, I want to get to the bottom of the story. So that would be my message to any writer who wants to pick up on a story of a legacy of an individual, whether they are relatives or not. Mm -hmm. And I would also say, if you don't, have the background or the experience, you can still do this. Um, but you need to be open to and in fact seeking help and advice. So 
I am so thankful that despite my kind of different background, screenwriting is really not that similar <laughs> to nonfiction biography writing. Um, despite my, you know, different background that I had the people around me that were able to help and guide me and continue, you know, supporting me as I was writing. Um and through the publication process, which I knew virtually nothing about. Getting a movie made is its own mountain to climb, um, but it's not at all like the mountain of publishing a biography through a university press. I'm and so, sure. uh, you know, that was something that I just was truly clueless about. So don't be daunted if you don't have the background or the experience, but definitely seek out the help that you need and the people that you need to be on your team. So I really do believe that anybody can tell the story of somebody in their family if they were remarkable. And we need more of those stories. But at the same time, if you've never done anything like this before, be humble enough to learn from the people around you and seek out the people that can guide you along that journey. And yeah, be patient. <laughs> I'm very thankful that Rocky was committed to taking as long as this needed um, to come together because it was quite a process. So, Fantastic. Such great advice and so much good information. Thank you so much for sharing the process. I appreciate it. I know that our writers will appreciate hearing um, from your perspective how this process worked. So thank you guys. Thank, thank you for you having did. us. Yeah. I know. This is such a pleasure. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're a woman writing in aviation, please join us in the Aviatrix Book Review website, Writer's Room, and in the Aviatrix Writers Facebook group. And help it grow just like it was born to become.